Hello, welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership Series. I'm Scott Miller, and I serve as your weekly host and interviewer. Today, I'm very encouraged about our interview with Sean Moon, who is the author of numerous books, including Franklin Covey's newest title, Leading Loyalty. Sean, welcome to Franklin Covey's On Leadership. Thank you very much. Thrilled to be here. Great to have you here. You've had a long career with our firm, nearly 30 years, is that 30 right? 30 years, yes. 30 years. You were mentored and coached by Dr. Stephen Covey himself. I started himself. when I was 12, so there you go. Yeah, well, close enough. <laughs> but, I mean, you've been in every role in this company. You've been a frontline salesperson, sales leader, executive vice president, consultant, keynote speaker, author. You've offered several books, yes. including With Lena and Sandy, this book launching uh, in mid of April called Leading Loyalty, Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion. Yes. Tell me about how you moved from, of all the topics you could now write about, why did you choose to be an author on this topic of customer loyalty? Think about your own experience, honestly. Is there anything more valuable, more important to you as an individual consumer, not just you, but your wife and your children, your family, than, than having a, a relationship of trust with those who you're, you're giving your hard-earned dollar over to? If, yeah. if you don't have that, that sense of loyalty, there are so many choices today. In fact, here's, here's a very interesting and maybe troubling statistic that speaks to the, the heart of why I think this is important. 70%, 70% of how your, or more, of how your organization is perceived is driven by, guess who? The frontline person mm. in that organization. So here's what we know about the frontline person. They're the least trained. They're the least paid. They have the highest turnover, and yet they re represent the largest base inside that organization. And so many organizations, their, their sense is, I just can't afford to train them. So what we end up defaulting to is putting in their hands, you know, the keys to the kingdom. You, you are the ones who determine how our organization is perceived, and yet we don't do anything with them. We don't create a sense of loyalty. And in today's world where we have so much choice, we can go anywhere. If we don't have loyalty, we don't have anything. You paint a bit of a horrifying scenario it's, for it's, most CEOs. It is a little and, frightening, yeah. isn't it? But the book that you've co-authored aligns with Franklin Covey's solution, the solution I have, the guidebook here, of leading customer loyalty. Right. It's a one-day offering. This has been out for about a year and a half or so, and your authors and you drew some insights from how clients had implemented this and great yeah. stories. The yeah. book is full of stories. It is. The, the, the whole point of the book is really designed to address that need I just talked about. So while the offering is a one-day offering, it actually isn't a one-day offering. The key, the key to dealing with frontline people is that most critical role inside your organization, that first-level leader, that frontline manager, the one who, who guides and directs and sets the course for their team. And so this is designed to address, to empower that leader in everyday little bite-sized chunks to create behavioral change around loyalty. I mean, think about this idea of how hard it is to change your own behavior. Now, if you're in a relationship with someone and you've, you've been in that relationship for a number of years, how, how successful have you been in changing the behavior of that person? Hon, I'm sorry. I tried. It didn't work. Forgive me. It doesn't work, right? Now imagine, how do you change the behavior of this vast group of people inside your organization right. whose behavior change is so critical to building the, the critical Which is what of every leader at every level is trying to do. Exactly. Is to take these great people and help to change their behavior to achieve new and better results. So this book is really designed to, to address that very process. How do we get 
to that critical front line, the critical front line leaders, and then, of course, throughout the entire organization. So let's talk about it. Yes. Uh, being published by HarperCollins on yes. sale this week in, in April. In addition to the book, you have this deck of cards that people receive when you go out and keynote speak or yes. if they buy the book through Franklin Covey. I want to use the card deck as a quick way to go through the book. The book is structured in kind of three ways. You have these three principles. Then you have these six practices that kind of gird them. And then there are these 11 huddles. Right. I want to run through some of those. First, the three principles are empathy, responsibility, and generosity. Right. Give me a quick explanation of what does empathy mean. So let me talk first about the principles, and I'll talk about the, the, the specific principle. Okay. When we say principle, we're not talking about a specific practice or a specific behavior. We're, we're really referring to a natural law, something that is timeless, it's universal, it's self-evident, it's self-validating, it applies in every culture, it applies like a natural law, like in the, in the world of science, the, the physical laws, right? These are natural laws of human behavior. So these core principles really are foundational to everything we do, and quite frankly, foundational to everything Franklin Covey does. The practices then say, how do I implement this principle at a very practical, pragmatic level? And then there are 11 huddles, as you mentioned, and those 11 huddles are the process through which we engage the frontline worker or the first level leader or anyone inside the organization to actually create a plan for implementation. Which is why you mentioned it's more than a one day program because the huddles are ongoing and they Absolutely. cycle in and cycle out. Absolutely, yeah. there's 11 huddles. Got it, let's talk about the principles. Empathy. Empathy. The whole point of empathy, this idea of, of walking a mile in someone else's shoes. Stephen R. Covey once said, uh, and this is so profound to me. He said, the deepest need of the human soul is to feel understood. I often ask people, describe for me what it's like when you really feel understood. When I share that quote with Stephen, people are nodding their heads. And then when I ask them to describe what it's like, people struggle a little bit. Because we, we don't do generally a good job of helping people feel understood. So often, we talk to be understood. Right. We don't listen first yeah. to understand. So this principle really addresses the mindset around when you're working with another person, you are in fact working with another human being. Which is why it's the first principle. It's the, it's right. the foundational principle. Second, uh, after empathy, the principle is responsibility. Yeah. How often have you gone somewhere to, to purchase something or to get a problem solved and the other person in that transaction doesn't take the time to understand what really needs to be, to be done. 90% of all 90%. retail engagements. And, and yet, it doesn't take long. Sometimes it's just a simple act of having first the, the desire to understand, and then defining my job is my job is to solve your problems. Let's, let's know what those problems are. Can I interject? Are. Yeah. Two weeks ago, I was at Market Street Grill, which is a seafood restaurant here in Salt Lake City. I love Market Street. My, my colleague, Lee Stevens, ordered a, uh, a seafood salad. And when it came, she recognized there was no shrimp on it. And so she asked me to flag the waiter down. So I said to the waiter, I said, hey, could my colleague have a side of shrimp? He said, sure. And he walked away. And I saw him look back and assess it. And he walked back and he looked at her plate and said, did it not come with shrimp on it? And she said, no, it didn't. He said, I got it solved. I called the manager over and said, most servers would have just gone, gotten a plate of shrimp and charged me for it. But he like was thinking, what's going on? Because she has a, her salad just arrived. And it was a perfect example of the waiter thinking, what's going on? What does she really want to have happen? Yeah, exactly. And two key things come from that for me. Number one, how long 
did it take him to engage in that behavior? Oh, it was less than two seconds. Because he realized what, what's the root of this, It's right? as much a mindset, right, yeah. as it is a behavior yeah, change. He cared. And, and number two, we're talking about this now. So obviously there's some kind of emotion that came with it. How did you feel? You felt enough to talk to the manager right there on the I spot. I felt like he cared yes. about what we were doing more than just processing our order. I brought her over, she then called him over, and we right there on the spot validated, thank you for like paying attention and wondering what was going on over here. That is a perfect example of what this principle talks yeah. about. Are we really taking the time, and it doesn't require a whole bunch of time, but to understand the job that really needs to be done? Third principle after responsibility, generosity. I love this one. Um, do we go just a little bit extra? And what does it take to go just a little bit extra? To surprise Ethically. with unexpected right, yeah. extras. Yeah. Ethically. Not free stuff. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and don't do something that your employer would, would feel frustrated by. Yeah. But what can we do? And it doesn't always mean we're giving extra services or that we're giving extra product. Sometimes it means we, we might just be giving a little bit extra consideration, time. a little bit extra concern, a little bit extra time. But when that happens, that's also so rare. The, the, the metaphor I like to use is you're on a date on Friday night with your loved ones, and you're sitting around the table, and you feel compelled to say to your, the, your friends and loved ones around the table, I've got to tell you a story. The most amazing thing happened to me with Market Street or wh whoever the organization is this week. I've got to tell you this story. We want to evangelize these e experiences that happen because, quite frankly, they're, they're wonderful, they're powerful, and they're rare. But the behavior and, and the process around this can be learned. It can be integrated into what we do. So the book is full of rich stories. Absolutely. I love the fact that there's all these great stories, and they really connect with these six principles, these three principles and six practices. I can, be, I can get confused. The six practices are connect, listen, discover, follow up, share, and surprise. Pick one of those and talk about why those are the practices. I would, I would say, uh, first of all, um, connect. Which is the first practice. Yeah, make a human connection. It, it starts with the mindset that, that I am, that empathy matters, that I'm working and dealing with another person. Um, so often when we talk about empathy, we talk about the skills of listening, and, and, and those are powerful, right? But they also can require a lot of work, and, and sometimes people will say, well, gosh, I, I, I just don't have time mm -hmm. to do this. I mean, imagine... You've made the mistake as a leader in the organization of leaving your office door open and, and this person is walking down the hall to talk and, and you all know who this person is, right? And you think to yourself, I wish I hadn't left that door open today because I'm so busy. It takes time. But Stephen Covey one time said, with people, fast is slow and slow is fast. And I would assert strongly that making that human connection does not require a lot of time. And time spent there is time very, very well spent and will save time in the future. Let me give you an example. I was traveling uh, recently uh, from Annapolis to the eastern shore of Maryland. And bridging the, 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 the peninsula there or the, the Bay Area is a four and a half mile bridge. Mm -hmm. They call it the Bay Bridge, mm -hmm. Highway 50. And it's, a, it's this amazing engineering feat where one side is the Chesapeake Bay and the other side is the Chesapeake Bay, and you just feel like you're driving over the water. It's a really, really great road. I love driving it. When my kids were little, uh, we used to do that just for fun. But there's a toll. And the other day, I pulled up to the toll booth to, to cross the bridge. Never my favorite experience, right, to give my money to the toll collector. Uh, and usually you're met with indifference at best. 
I paid my $10 toll, and I, I drove away, and I said to myself out loud, and I don't speak to myself out loud, I was by myself in the car, I said, that was amazing. Because in literally 15 seconds, I had an interaction with the individual in, in, in the toll booth, and I wish I could tell you what he said or what questions he asked. I can't remember what he said, but I remember distinctly how I felt. I felt like a human being. He made just a genuine human connection, and his mindset was, I am a human being interacting with other human beings. Well, he was, he was, he was putting into practice the three principles, empathy, Absolutely. responsibility, and generosity, and second. So I don't want to suggest that these never take time, because, because this is an investment of time and leadership, clearly. But it doesn't have to always take time. So much of it is how we approach in our mindset and our heart set. Very, yeah. very powerful experience. So the book is organized with these 11 huddles in mind. Chapter yes. one is huddle one. Chapter six is huddle six. Right. I want to run through the huddles real quick. Right. Describe for everybody what a huddle is and why it's important. And so happened, the, the whole idea of a huddle happened in 1918. The, I think the college is the Oregon College of Technical Technology and Agriculture. They had a football team like colleges had at the time. And the week before the game, the coach pulled the quarterback aside and said, you know what? Let's just gather our team together. Let's gather the offensive team together for just a few seconds and talk about the play we're going to run. Never happened before. Hmm. So they did it, and it was successful, and other teams started to copy it, and thus became the advent of the huddle in okay. American football. Is used everywhere today. In that huddle, you're not spending 20, 40 minutes. You're not spending a day or two. It's not an off-site. It's about 20 seconds. It's short. It's to the point. You're not talking about three plays ago, and you're not talking about five plays from now. You're basically saying, what do we need to do right now? Right. So, so these huddles are designed on that process. They're short. They're 10, 15-minute bite size of time. We suggest that you do them once a week. Gather your team together. We've designed in the book the agenda for the huddle, and it is pretty simple. You start by acknowledging. So let's say that last week you and I talked about in our huddle empathy. I would pick out one of my team members. I'd say, Scott, I just want to acknowledge you for something remarkable I've seen you do this last week. You, I saw you interact with a customer. It was a very difficult experience, and your approach to that customer was really extraordinary. You showed great empathy. I saw the emotion that the customer had when they came in and when they left, it was completely different. Mm. Nice work. Yeah. So you take a minute in the huddle to acknowledge Quick good behavior. In. Quick check-in. Then you go over the concepts and we provide the concepts, a little teaching module in there, and then you just get a commitment from each person in the team. So Scott, name me one thing you can do this week to follow up. One thing, so you give me a commitment and we make the commitment to each other and you're done. It's like the huddle in the football field. You're calling the very next play and then you, and you follow up on that in the following week. Got it. Team leader could buy the book for his and her team. Everyone reads the book and facilitate the huddles. It'll guide on. you through the process okay. of holding very Great. short huddles. Let's talk and roll on the huddles. There's yes. 11 of them. I'm going to just read them out real quick. At the end, I'm going to ask you to pick one or two that you are especially fond of yeah. and go deep on those. Huddle one, loyalty leader mindset. Right. That's really about making a paradigm shift, I guess, that you are. It all starts with our yeah. mindset and our hearts. Yeah. Huddle two, the need for empathy. So we describe in that, in that huddle what empathy means, Got why it. it's important. Huddle three, make a genuine human connection. And I just talked about that. Right, right. And the process of, of how, power, how, how you go about that and how powerful that is. Huddle four, listen to learn the hidden story. Okay. Huddle five, the need for responsibility. Huddle six, discover the real job to be done. Right. Marcus Reed Grill, right? Huddle seven, follow up to strengthen the relationship. Huddle eight, the need for generosity. Huddle nine, share insights openly. 
Huddle 10 surprise with expected extras. Unexpected extras. Unexpected extras, right. thank you. You know your content. And 11, your loyalty legacy. Right. I wonder, Sean, in our remaining time, would you pick one or two of these and kind of let's go deeper on them? Let me start with number four. Number four, listen to learn the hidden story. Yeah. Okay? I've always been a news junkie. Uh, when I was little, we had a, an afternoon delivery of the newspaper. I come from a, a large family, and it was my goal to be the first to get the newspaper. And so I would wait on the porch, kind of like of a puppy for the, for the yeah. newspaper to come. And then I'd get it, and I'd run to a living room in this spot. I'd lay it out on the floor, and I had this process of reading the news every day. I've always been, I've always been uh, uh, kind of obsessed with that. And you're read, still a print guy. I am. So I love high. it. I love so the high. smell. Rebond and I yes. love it. <laughs> I, I, you know, on your fingers. I'd read the first page, then you flip it over the second page, you have yeah. all the interesting stuff. And then my wife uh, teases me, because it's kind of funny, but I always read the obituaries. Because yeah. I always liked reading about interesting people in inspiring ways. Yeah. Then I'd go to the sports section, and I'd read every article, and then I'd read it twice, and I'd study the box scores. But then I'd go to the dessert of the newspaper section, which is the comics. Yeah, that was and your reward. That for was my reward. Your duty. Right, and I'd yeah. always followed that process. <laughs> in the comic section, you have these little cartoon characters. And, and they have these little, some are funny, some are little, little scenarios in their lives. But you always know what's going on in their lives, what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Why? Because the bubble's above their head? Because they have this thought bubble yeah. above their head. And in a sense, and it tells, by the way, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. In a sense, each of us have a thought bubble. We come to work every day. Every person in the world comes to work every day, and we carry with us all the stuff that we are dealing with, our thoughts, our feelings, the disagreement we might have had at home or something we're excited about with one of our kids or with our spouse or partner or an opportunity at work. Whatever it is, we come to work every single day with something in our thought bubble. So in this huddle, we talk about that, and we talk about understanding the hidden story, understanding that thought bubble, and ask this poignant question. If we understood what, were, what was in people's minds and on their hearts, would we treat them differently? If we just had a glimpse, like we do in the comic section, just a glimpse of what was going on, would we treat them differently? It's a part of the principle. It's one of the practices associated with empathy. It seems like, a, like a, it could be a pivot point in any organization if the frontline employees were to employ that in their thinking. We, we, have a, register. we have a I very interesting job market right now, Scott. We have more people leaving the workforce than are coming yeah, in. Right. If you look at the, the mix and the trends of, of the different generations in the workforce, uh, the, the newest generation, they're now, as of 2014, the, the most, uh, by, by numbers, they're the largest force. And if you look at the trends, the gap is getting wider and wider. One of the things that's unique about our current environment... It's not you and us, by the way. It's not, I know. All those people have hair. I have no hair. But if you, one of the things that's unique about this environment is that there's choice. And people have choice. Right? You want people to show up and yeah. vote with their minds, you know, give their very best thought, and their hands give their very best work, and their hearts to give. But people will vote with their feet. And if they don't feel that connection, people will leave. Because there's choice, yeah. there's opportunity. So there, there, I'll tell you, there is an economic edge to this whole concept of how we are loyal to those both external to the organization and, and internal. internal. Right. Absolutely. You could argue that the book isn't just about customer loyalty, or it is if you view your employees also as your customers. How do you right? define the customers? And right. it might be the person who's coming across the counter at a retail store and right. giving you their credit card, or it might be the person sitting in the cube next to That's you. That's right. And if you're a servant leader, your employees are your customers as well. So here's what that means. It means that every single person in the workforce today has a customer. 
They might be a scientist in a lab. Yeah, or accounting or accounts payable. They right? have a customer. That's right. So, so this book has broad, broad application. Pick another huddle. So that was number four, listen to the hidden story. So another one you have. Let, let me go to huddle number 11. Okay, I'm headed there right now. This is the last one. This Your is the capstone. legacy. Yeah, I, I, I love this one. Um, we've been through all 10 previous huddles. We've talked about the three principles, the principle of empathy, the principle of, of, uh, of responsibility. Yeah. And boy, when people take responsibility, that feels so good and it's so rare. But it, it's an amazing feeling. And finally, the principle of generosity. So, so we asked the question in the last huddle, so what does this mean to you? And how are your customers, again, however broadly we define them, how are they going to be different because of your leadership, because of your choice. You might be in a formal supervisory, managerial, or leadership role, or you might just be an individual leader. Doesn't matter. How, because everyone has customers. How will you be different? And we ask people to engage in a process of actually articulating that, putting it down on paper, making a plan, making it deliberate, making the conscious decision to say, I am going to be this type of loyalty leadership. That's one of the, That's I love the title. exercise in the book. It is. Yeah. It's an exercise in the book and it's an exercise in the huddle. So we provide you the, the resources and process to actually do that. But it ties directly to the title of the book. This is all about leading, deliberately leading loyalty. Sean, put for a moment, as we end our time here, the hat on of the reader. Say you are a team leader of, of a small business group. Maybe yeah. there's 12 employees or eight employees, yeah. whatever. They buy the book for themselves and each of their team members. How would you advise someone to use that book to facilitate some transformation on their team through the huddles? Yeah, I, I, does the leader I, read great the book question. first? Do you read it with your team? Great question. I would I would suggest that the leader read the book first, and then I would encourage everyone on the team right. to read it. So the leader buys the book for themselves, reads it, buys a copy for all their team it's members. It's easy to read, it as you mentioned. It's filled with great, great yeah. examples and great stories. That you know what in. Every case, we've every one of us has had some iteration of those experiences in our lives. So yeah. this will this will feel very very relevant and fresh to the story to the where the young man wants to buy a tie oh. in the store and that clerk is helping him learn to tie a tie because his dad's not there and someone happened to be there to observe the whole thing, and he he had never worn a tie before. It's so powerful. And so he went to buy a tie. He wanted a clip-on tie because he didn't know how to tie a tie. How he never wore one. was the boy? Like under 10 uh, or he, something, he was 16, he? going 16. for his very first okay. job interview. I see. And the, the clerk there, the salesperson on the floor, took the time to talk with him, find out what do you need the tie for? You're going for an interview. Tell me about the interview. Tell me about the opportunity. What kinds of questions are you going to ask? Here's what you need to, here's how you need to be thinking as you're going into that. Let me show you how to tie, and he actually showed him how to tie the tie. It was inspirational. Another coworker saw what was going on, came over to help him. They both engaged, and, and he ended up not only having a great experience in the story, he got the job, his mother became involved. It just was it's this emotional. One, I hear it again it after is. the third or fourth time, and it's so it emotional. And this is the thing. It just doesn't take time to convey that sense of power. It takes empathy, responsibility, and, and generosity. generosity. So <laughs> yeah. have your team read the book. And then my counsel is to engage in the weekly huddles. We're asking for a 10-minute commitment of your time. I was speaking with one executive of a very large retail outlet, and he said to me, Sean, I've got 25,000 frontline people. I can't pull the ball offline to train. It would cost me too much money and too much time and lost opportunity and my responsibility. You don't have to pull them offline. You don't have to pull them offline. Engage them in these critical discussions, and we provide the guide, right? Take 10 minutes a week within the seams of the workday 
and watch the magic that happens. By the way, there are 11 huddles in the book. Guess what happens when you finish huddle number 11? Back to number one. You go back to number one because you're going to have new people. Right. And even if you don't, right. the discussion, the example, the examples that you come up with will be richer and deeper and, and more meaningful. And as you teach it, you relearn it and you double down and, on it. And we all know yeah. that process. You know, right. if you've ever been a teacher of any kind, you know, who learns more, the teacher or the student? The teacher so often. And this gives the opportunity for everyone to play that role. Sean, last minute. You and your co-authors, Sandy Rogers and Lena Renee, are available for keynotes across the nation. You're out a lot doing that as part yes. of this launch strategy. What's the best scenario for a client to bring you in? What juncture are they in when they would get the most value out of you or your colleagues speaking yeah. to them? You know, hard to answer that question specifically because because we actually are invited in on a number of different junc junctures. One is it's the end of the year and you're gearing up for the next year. So annual conferences, we, we participate in a lot of those. Sometimes it's just simply the leadership team who's trying to figure out what can we do to be better. Sometimes it's financially driven. They, they want to improve a particular um, sales metric or customer yeah. service metric. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's it's... You know, we just want to provide some professional development. So it really runs the gamut. I looked at your speaking roster, and you're booked like nonstop for the next nine months. What's interesting is I would have thought they would have been for mainly retail organizations yeah. or restaurants, but they're not. They're for power companies and yeah. for consulting companies. I mean, they're industry agnostic, state agencies where you think our customer is, you know, a homeowner who has to buy electricity, but they want to have a mindset of treating them like a customer. This this example I gave of the toll booth. Well, that was the Maryland Department of Transportation, MDOT. They're not trying to create more customers necessarily, but they do have customers they serve, sure. right? So yeah, Internally, this, this is applicable to yeah. anyone who has a customer of any kind. By the way, that happens to be anyone. Right, internal, external. Internal or external. Sean, yes. great conversation. Thank you so much. You're going to be a five million miler before you know it, which I know is not a <laughs> badge close. of honor. I'm close. You're close already. Yes. Tell your wife, Michelle, and your kids we said hello. <laughs> Thank you, And we'll get you back here on the post side of all your keynotes to hear what have you learned from all the customers right. that are implementing I look forward to it. Thank great. you so Good luck much. to you and Lena and Sandy on the tour. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for rejoining on leadership. As I mentioned most weeks, this is now the world's fastest growing weekly complimentary newsletter dedicated to leadership development. It's free, comes out every Tuesday via email in your inbox. In addition to the interview with someone like Sean, it includes a downloadable tool and a, pod, or a, a, a blog article that I wrote with an insight that I tease out of the interview. You can register at franklincovey.com. You also can consume it on all of your favorite podcast channels, at Franklin Covey, on Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you consume your, your podcast, you can listen to the interview as well. And we'll see you back here next week with a new guest on leadership. Thanks.